Hello and welcome to Robots in Your Eyes, a podcast looking at vintage cartoons through the eyes of people way older than the intended target audience, but still captivated by those glorified toy adverts that we love so much. I'm Jason Thompson. And I'm Zoe Baker. Welcome back, Zoe. So with Zoe's return, we are going back to Rainbow Land. And this time, it's in trouble because there's an invasion of Rainbow Land going on. To be fair, I don't think there's many episodes where Rainbow Land isn't in trouble of one bizarre sort or another. So That's true. There aren't many episodes of Rainbow Bright, but none of them appear to be an average day in Rainbow Land. <laughs> or the colour kids, like? <laughs> kids have a bit of fun. You know? <laughs> the colour kids go for a picnic. Go for a picnic, yes. Why not? Why not? <laughs> But uh, we don't start this episode in, in Rainbow Land. We start on Earth. Or at least we start in space around Earth, because the first thing we see is a flying saucer heading down to Earth. Very strange. But on Earth, Rainbow Bright, Starlight and Twink are standing, looking rather sad, in the remnants of a forest. Apparently there's been some kind of forest fire. Um... And it's all lots of burnt out tree stumps and very, very sad. It is. And it struck me that some of the things that we learned about at that point in time in the mid to late 80s, a lot of the environmental stuff that we were learning then is different to the challenges we're facing now. Um, I'm sure you remember Captain Planet, which tried to highlight some of these things to us. And We I keep mean, mentioning Captain Planet. We're going to have to stop mentioning Captain Planet because we are not going to be covering no, Captain not. Planet on this podcast. I'm not sitting through that. But it really reminded me of being a primary school kid and learning specifically about deforestation and acid rain. Yes, that was very much a part of, uh, part of the curriculum. Yeah. back then acid rain in particular you never hear people talking about acid rain anymore i don't know if it's still a problem or if it's just not such a big problem compared to the challenges we're facing with climate change and flooding and extreme weather events i think it's less of a problem now um because it was largely caused by a number of additives in various fuels that were being burnt which have been slowly cut back so it's kind of like the hole in the ozone layer and cfc's all the various bits of it got better when we stopped pumping pollutants into the air Basically, yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> Who'd have thought? So, Who'd have thought? But yeah, so there they are. They're, they're in a in the, the devastated remains of some kind of forest. Um, and Rainbow says they can't bring it back, but they can get it started again. Yes, and it's interesting because, of course, up until now, we've seen Rainbow do various things with the colour belt. We've seen her use star sprinkles to bring back colour to things. We saw her adjusting the green on a frog's leg. We've seen the uh, colour belt shoot out water. We've seen it do all sorts of things. This is the first time, I think, that we see Rainbow Bright actually restore life. Yes, uh, because she gets Twink to hand her a bunch of star sprinkles and then they charge up the colour belt and fire a rainbow out over this devastated forest. Uh, and suddenly the ground is green with grasses and flowers begin to bloom again and all the trees or the tree stumps or the charred remains of the trees they don't return to full you know full glory but they all have little shoots of life on them again and sort of green mm -hmm. leaves and things so yeah she does 
whether she restores life or whether she just accelerates whatever's left because generally speaking things recover after a forest fire but it usually takes a long time yeah um, I'm, I'm starting to be a little concerned about where the limits of her powers are there are no limits the limit does the not limit exist, exist. <laughs> <laughs> i mean rainbow bright gone bad could be a new direction it certainly could um, one thing, another thing I noticed, which has nothing to do with any of this, but now that we're back to the animated series and not the movie, uh, Starlight's mane is now red at the front again. Yes, it is. I noticed that as well. Which, having got used to it in the movie, now looks weird again. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but this is how it's normally coloured in the uh, in the series. Uh, restoring this forest has used up all bar one star sprinkle. Not quite sure why there's one left, but. There they are. Uh, and so they have to go back to Rainbowland to get more. And as they head off, this flying saucer that we saw heading towards Earth hovers around a bit, sort of as if it's looking at what happened at the forest, and then follows them. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Well, now we go back to Rainbowland. And if anyone was wondering how star sprinkles were made, the first few minutes in Rainbowland is an explanation of how star sprinkles are made and it's marvellous. It's quite a process actually. Um, obviously we start in the colour caves where they're mining the colour crystals, got all the sprites mining away, but they go through quite a process before they turn into the finished product. Yeah, I mean for, for one thing the colour caves appear to be up a mountain behind the colour castle. And somebody has gone a bit overboard with the engineering of the railway track that gets the trucks down to the colour castle because it appears to be a roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, make, make, make your job fun. If you're going to be mining things for the rest of your life, make it fun. That's the thing. The sprite did seem to be having a jolly good time as he rode the truck on the roller coaster's crystal delivery system. Yeah. And the rail comes to a stop at the back of the colour castle, apparently, where there is a face... <laughs> in the back of the wall it's a star-shaped face it's got two big eyes <laughs> and there's a big uh, trough which is the mouth of this face where they pour the color crystals in and then it kind of swallows them up and the eyes do weird googly things <laughs> while it does it it's very very odd completely unnecessary but a lot of fun completely unnecessary but a, lot of fun. a bit like the roller coaster <laughs> yes is, exactly that seems to be the uh Fun is definitely baked into this process because inside the colour castle there's a huge conveyor belt system going on uh, which brings these colour crystals and they go under a big rainbow coloured roller which flattens them into a sheet of um, something, I don't know what, that crushes them all up into a little sheet of something and then it gets cut into stars. And is this process automated or is there a slightly more bizarre method? You say bizarre, I say fun. This sheet kind of looks kind of gummy to me. It looks like they crush up the colour crystals and make it kind of a, a gummy jelly kind of sheet, at which point a whole bunch of sprites wearing star-shaped cookie-cutter shoes climb up and jump all over them, uh, all over this sheet, making tiny little stars, which then go through an oven, shrink down and become the hard little star sprinkles. Yeah, it's uh, it's very odd, very fun. Um, I don't want to think too much about the fact that all these sprites essentially have blades on their feet and are dancing around. I mean, the health and safety implications of that are pretty dire, but 
I mean, if you're going to go with health and safety, let's start with that roller coaster, frankly. Well, yes. I mean, they, you know, you sit on a truck full of mined rock, essentially, and just ride ride no, it down to no seat belts, no, <laughs> no guardrails. No, it was the eighties. We didn't have such things. <laughs> Well, we're not the only ones enjoying watching this process because somebody is lurking in the bushes. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Murky is lurking in the bushes. Lurky, despite his name, isn't very good at lurking because he's huge and stupid. I still feel sorry for him because he's so happy every time he goes to Rainbowland and sees all the colours. I just think he'd be so much happier if he could live there. I, I think you're probably right, yes. And I think the colour kids would welcome his help because he'd be so enthusiastic. He does try his best. Well, he's been sent to steal a colour crystal. So he pops down to this big trough in the star face thing and grabs a colour crystal. Um, Lurky tells him to get back here quick, at Murky. which point Murky, oh, blast it. Murky tells him to get back here quick, at which point he drops the colour crystal and has to be reminded that that's what he went for and has to go back and get it again. Cupcake brain. Cupcake brain. <laughs> and it turns out that Murky has invented the Gloom Transformer, which is a fun little word to hear from the guy who's voiced by Peter Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> it's yet another gloom invention um murky is very inventive very creative but it's kind of a wily coyote kind of keeps trying loads of different things i sometimes wonder if he'd be more successful if he tried to stick with one thing and make it work really well if he could just refine his inventions it'd be great because they all look very co cobbled together i mean this one's got um visible drive bands on the outside it's got some weird little anemometer type thing stuck to the top of it and he basically it but the the weird thing about these things they all work yeah they work so he drops this color crystal in and it's going to convert the star sprinkles into rain sprinkles mm. so this machine churns about a bit and then belches out a huge black cloud which starts to rain mm -hmm. and so yay murky's happy because He's got an invention that will uh, ruin everything, basically. But on the rainbow, Rainbow Bright, Starlight and Twink find that they are being followed. That flying saucer has come up behind them and they seem a little bit concerned by this. So that one star sprinkle that was left comes in quite handy because uh, Rainbow uses it to make a second rainbow and... and basically diverts herself off while the flying saucer carries on mm. on the rainbow. But that second rainbow, apparently being only made of one star sprinkle, makes it a bit rubbish. It wasn't very stable and it's a slightly frightening moment where it actually disappears underneath Starlight's feet. Yes, and just to make it even more frightening and make it clear, they're in space at this point, running, through, running along a rainbow. Um, so... <laughs> okay, let's not even start with that. <laughs> I suppose, I suppose in some ways it's silly to be going on about this rainbow being unstable if we're already at the point where, of course, we have a rainbow in space that a horse can run along. That's fine. Well, yes. <laughs> so maybe we just accept it is what it is. It is what it is. And so this rainbow disintegrates. But Starlight, because he is indeed the most magnificent horse in the universe, mm -hmm. jumps back onto the original rainbow and they head back towards Rainbowland. But now they're behind the flying saucer and... In Rainbowland, 
everyone sees the flying saucer coming. Uh, they run and hide and it crashes just outside the colour castle. And then they all get up and go and see what was going on. And uh, I quite enjoyed this because among the colour kids are Stormy and Skydancer, who we met in the Star Stealer. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stormy did say that she was going to come and help out. And indeed she has. Apparently she has. We also meet Moonglow, which I don't think we'd seen before. I think there's some question about the order the episodes go in, that the... Um way they were presented on the DVD is not the same as the broadcast order. So it's possible we'll see these characters in another episode. But this is the first time watching in, in this order of the broadcast order that we've actually seen Moonglow. And no one actually says, oh, this is who she is. She's just there. She's just there, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did check and we are now into the broadcast order. So there were five episodes before the Star Stealer and then there were eight subsequently and these are the order in which they were broadcast however as we have seen from other cartoons um, sometimes the production order and the storyline order was roundly ignored by mm -hmm. tv scheduling people uh, and quite often you'd end up with things happening in the episodes that should have happened later but were chucked in in the wrong order uh, there's a particularly egregious example in uh, Transformers which we're coming on to because uh, a couple of characters who had a very definite origin episode where they were created from literally nothing and, and became characters appeared three episodes before they were created. Okay. So yeah. order is not necessarily clear on these things but yes this is the first time we've seen Moonglow so that prompted me to go who on earth is that because I have absolutely no clue. I knew. You knew. Where's Rainbow when we need her, says Moonglow, which of course is Rainbow Bright's cue to arrive because she's not that far behind the flying saucer. Oh, is that how it works? Apparently so. Okay. <laughs> and the flying saucer opens. A tall funnel rose and an invisible ray of heat leapt from man... Oh no, sorry, that's the wrong one. <laughs> See, now the chance of that are a million to one. But no. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it is an alien. Uh, it's a little alien in a grey spacesuity type thing with a hat with three coloured buttons on the front of it uh, and huge ears. Mm. And he seems quite cheerful. He's adorable. He's adorable. He's tiny as well. He's about half the size of any of the of the colour kids. Uh, and he introduces himself as Waja. Mm. And eventually, when Rainbow Bright introduces herself, he realises they're talking English. And he presses the button on his helmet and speaks German. <laughs> then he presses another button and speaks a different language. And then finally he hits his head a couple of times, presses a third button and he gets it right and starts talking. Um, but basically in English, yeah. in English explains that his basically spaceship is damaged and there's something wrong with it. It's mm. not working properly. Uh, so Rainbow and Shy Violet go back into the spacecraft to figure out what's wrong with it. Um, he doesn't seem particularly well qualified to be operating this spacecraft really does he well uh, mm, now hang on hang on hang on when we enter the spacecraft it is much larger on the inside than on the outside and he's not very good at piloting it now does that remind us of any other character we have seen in time and space Nope, you've lost me on that one. I have absolutely no idea. Yes, it is, it is commented specifically that it's much bigger on the inside. 
Uh, I think shy violet refers to some kind of dimensional spe- or spatial compression they or something along those lines. In, into her mouth there. But yes, um, I did like when they asked how it worked. And he's like, well, you press this button. <laughs> yeah, and it's a button with up and down arrows on it. And he just presses it and says, well, where's the engine? And he has no idea what they're talking about at all. To be fair, when I'm presented with some piece of equipment, how does it work? Well, I just press this button. I don't really know. (laughs) Yeah. But probably not if you were piloting some kind of vehicle. I think you'd have some better idea of how it works. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I can locate the engine in my car, but I would just be able to stare at it and go, yep, that's an engine. Well, that's exactly it. That's all you need, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's not working. Let me have a look. Yes, that's what recovery yep. is for. And it's still there. <laughs> but I, I feel quite sorry for him because, of course, we don't know how he ended up in this situation. Did he have a crew? Because that's a really large spaceship on the inside for such a little guy. It is. Yeah, that's very true. Well, things take a slightly concerning turn when they head out to get some tools to help uh, Shy Violet figure out what's wrong with the machine. Uh, Because Twink notices that uh, where Rainbow has walked out holding Waja's hand, her sleeve has gone grey. All her rainbow-coloured sleeve has gone grey. And he's very apologetic about this. Because it turns out that uh, while we get our energy from food, or the colour kids get their energy from food... I have no idea where they get their food from because there's no sign of a Sainsbury's or anything like that in Rainbowland, but, you know. There are a lot of sprites. No, no, no! (laughs) No! Sorry. (laughs) Which farm the fruits and vegetables. Right, okay, okay, that's fine, yes. Sorry, that's horrific. Right, now I've got an image of roast, you know, a Sunday roast with a sprite with an apple in his mouth. Thank you for that. Sorry, I've ruined it for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't joke about that. Well, anyway, it turns out that while uh, colour kids and sprites get their energy from food, uh, they get their energy from colours. And he's trying not to absorb the colours, but he can't help it. It's just what he does. And it's very cute because when he absorbs the colours, his ears glow. They do, but he feels so guilty. I felt really sad for him because he just keeps saying, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. He literally cannot control it. And, of course, he's got all the colour kids and sprites freaking out um, because, from their point of view, this is a very bad thing, and he cannot help it. No, he can't. Even as he's talking, he accidentally absorbs the colour from an entire truckload of colour crystals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is obviously going to cause huge problems if he stays there for too long. He will take all the colour out of Rainbow Land. And, oh, the poor guy, he even cries at one point because he accidentally absorbs the colour from Rainbow Bright's headband. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, oh, the poor little guy. I, I, I do feel sorry for him, but, yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And it's beautifully animated, you know. It, the the expressions on his little face and the glow in the ears. Um, and there has been quite a lot of attention to detail, I think, in the animation, because it was around this point in the episode that I noticed that the glint of light in Rainbow Bright's eyes when we see her up close is shaped like a star. Yeah, I didn't pick up on that at all. So well spotted. Good spot on that one. Uh, Well, I also spotted the rainbow dog appearing in the crowd scene, which you didn't either. So 
I'm two for two there. You are two for two. In my defence at the time, I was taking notes. So, you know, I just happened to look away for that brief moment where the dog appeared. Let me have this. I spotted something. You did. You did indeed. So, they've got a problem. Because they have to get this alien off Rainbowland quick. Because otherwise, all the colours in Rainbowland will disappear. Now, there is somebody in Rainbowland who doesn't seem too upset about this because that's basically his entire reason for existing at this point is to take all the colour out of Rainbow Land. Mm -hmm. So Murky wants to find a way to keep Raja there by stopping him from taking off in that flying saucer. Murky, uh, Lurky just wants to ride in the flying saucer. Yeah. Uh, you know, because, you know, to be fair, I probably would as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shy Violet has been uh, digging around in the innards of the spacecraft and has realised that it runs on colours. So they need to get as many star sprinkles as they can. And so there's a, a lovely shot of basically everybody bringing wheelbarrows and sacks and all sorts of colour crystals to the spacecraft. Uh, meanwhile, poor old Wadger is still sucking colour up out of other things and looking very dejected in the corner. Mm -hmm. But uh, Murky has a plan... <laughs> Murky dresses as a colour kid he's got the little dress on and I don't know where that wig came from he's not convincing but somehow nobody notices him no Starlight thought he knew all the colour kids but doesn't think this is any way suspicious at all this, I didn't know the little grey one with the big black moustache but oh well <laughs> not so marvellous from that horse no, Lurky is hiding under a pile of star sprinkles in a wheelbarrow. And uh, this does actually work because they manage to just go up the ramp into the spacecraft and in they go. I mean, OK, Lurky is a clumsy burke and falls in the pile of star sprinkles and makes a lot of noise. And Lurky tells him to be quiet. And then he uses his great big clot hoppers and crushes all the star sprinkles <laughs> and makes a hell of a lot of noise. But it uh, doesn't make huge amounts of difference because just at the point where uh, Shy Violet says, basically, we're almost done, almost done, almost ready, Murky appears with his net and swipes Waja away and says, now we'll keep him and all the colours in Rainbow Land will disappear. Mm -hmm. Ah ha ha ha. And uh, then, then there follows a slapstick sequence with the grunge buggy because apparently Murky can't drive the grunge buggy very well. No, now we know why he entrusts it to Lurky, because somehow Murky is an even worse driver than Lurky is. Yeah, he manages to drive in circles, he crashes into a bush. Um, it, it, it's, a, it, it's a mess, basically. <laughs> and of course, as he drives around with this alien, lots of things start losing their colour. Bushes lose their colour. Um, it's, it's just... Oh, it's terrible. Starlight doesn't seem to believe he's that magnificent at this point though because he basically says there's no way to catch him but you're the most magnificent horse in the universe why can't you just chase after him what's what's wrong with you oh uh but you know if he could then we wouldn't have a purpose for shy violet to the rescue that's very very true uh, because she's got the spacecraft working on the star sprinkles mm -hmm. so they load all the colour kids into the spacecraft and they take off after Murky and Lurky who are taking Waja to the pits and 
I mean, we say Lurky drives the grunge buggy better than Murky, but he still manages to forget the basic thing of apply the brakes when heading for a confined area. Because he crashes the grunge buggy in what appears to be basically the garage at the mm. pits. That grunge buggy is pretty much indestructible by the looks of it, though. Uh, well, yes. Uh, it's been through a lot. It has been through a lot. It has. Um, and I felt really sorry for Wadger at this point because now he's been, you know, the crash has happened. He's basically free and he's going to go and throw himself in the river to save Rainbow Land. That was actually pretty harsh, actually, that self-sacrifice bit. And I was, a, I was a little shocked at that, actually, in a cartoon aimed at small children. Yeah, um, he's just he's just going to throw himself in the river. Murky doesn't want that to happen, of course, so he grabs Waja and even what little colour Murky has is absorbed mm. and he goes properly black and white at this mm -hmm. point. But never mind, it is Shy Violet and the Colour Kids to the rescue because they've got their star-sprinkle-powered spacecraft. They hover it over the pits and they just basically fire a bucket load of star sprinkles into the pits and turn the whole thing into a rainbow cave. Mm. Murky is unimpressed. Lurky, on the other hand, is absolutely delighted. I feel so sorry for him. <laughs> he is dancing around and enjoying all the colours and just loving it. Absolutely loving it. Wajir, of course, is basically just enjoying free meal at this he point. He looks so satisfied. The, the way they animated his little face, you know? Yeah. Well, Murky tries to uh, stop things by firing up the uh, Gloom Transformer, which you know kind of works. It produces a huge black cloud in the cave, which pours loads of rain around. Uh, but there's still a lot of colour left in the cave. But this distraction provides plenty of time for Wadja to escape and get back on his spacecraft. And that's it. Murky's plan is ruined. Mm -hmm. And in the process, of course, these star sprinkles are falling out of the spaceship which then go on to repair all the patches where colour had been drained um, through Waja's actions or, you know, what just happened that he couldn't help earlier on. So everything is pretty much back to how it should be. Yes, and we get a final sequence of Waja waving goodbye to the colour kids and everyone just happily seeing him go as his spacecraft takes off and scatters star sprinkles all over Rainbow Land. And isn't that nice? Bye-bye, don't come back. Bye-bye. Yeah, please don't come back because, you know, we love you, but, oh, God, you're a problem. <laughs> yes. Some people are just better at a distance. Yes. Also, not only don't come back, please don't tell any of your friends where Rainbow Land is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So it wasn't so much the invasion of Rainbow Land as the accidental arrival by a colour parasite of Rainbow Land. Yes, the accidental visit... A Invasion probably isn't the right word because he didn't invade. No, he had no intention of causing any problems. He basically was curious. And if you lived on colours, you would follow a rainbow naturally. Mm -hmm. Can't blame him. No, definitely not. So that was the end of the episode. So what did you think of the invasion of Rainbow Land? I rather enjoyed it, actually. I did like it. It did have a nice story. It was interesting to see an alien that didn't really have any kind of backstory he was just there and we accept that that's what he is that's what he does but I did feel so sorry for the little guy because he seemed quite sweet but was clearly upset that he was inadvertently causing all these problems and he cried yeah he cried because you know it wasn't his fault he couldn't help it 
But uh, yeah, I thought it was a good episode. Uh, reasonably nice animation as well. Uh, we're back to the series, so the animation quality has dropped off a bit. And I think because the first few episodes were made in little chunks, so you had like the first episode and then a two-parter and then another two-parter, and they were separated quite widely in terms of the time that was spent on producing them and airing them. Uh, and now we have a series of eight episodes, so the animation quality has dropped off a little bit, but it's still fine. It's still beautiful. And it is still beautifully coloured and animated. Yeah, the style is very much as it was. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's a fun little show. So uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed that one. And we learned that it's useful to always hold a star sprinkle back because you might need it. Yes, absolutely. We also learned how star sprinkles are made. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't want that job, but the, the sprites seem to enjoy themselves. So, Yes, they do seem happy enough. Yeah. Um, cheerful little slaves. Cheerful little slaves, indeed. <laughs> just, I just have some questions about the social and political setup, that's all. Yes, although, interestingly, uh, although we did see in the colour caves that there is definitely colour segregation, the red sprites mine the red colour crystals and the blue sprites mine the blue ones, um, when they're cutting all the red star sprinkles out of this uh, this set, all the sprites of all the colours are having as much fun as everybody else. So, mm -hmm. so perhaps I think, as we discussed, maybe the colouring of the start the sprites actually happens in the cave when they're mining. So all the mm -hmm. ones who mine the red ones just turn red because they're exposed to yes, I guess so to the colour. Uh, that could be another health and safety issue, but because <laughs> Twink never goes in the star spring in the colour caves and he's white. So are all sprites naturally white and they just get end up coloured because of all the mining they do? Or does Twink go around all the colours in the colour cave so he ends up white? Is it additive uh, or subtractive colour mixing? Well, that's a very good question. And uh, I am neither an artist nor a physicist, so not really qualified to answer that question. Has anyone ever asked that question before when it comes to sprites? <laughs> I don't know. Some, somebody find the creators of Rainbow Bright and ask them. <laughs> is it additive or subtractive? It's a very good question. We'll leave that one hanging. And while we're pondering the imponderables of the colour systems in Rainbow Bright, uh, shall we move on to the next episode? Yes, we should. So our second episode for this podcast is entitled simply Mum or Mum, as we. <laughs> I'm going to be saying Mum. I, I yeah. I can't get around Mum. No, indeed. Uh, and evidently, a whole year has passed since the Star Stealer because again, it's the first day of spring. No song this time. Though. No singing this time, no, uh, because we're not in a movie and we haven't got time for a mm -hmm. song in a 20-minute cartoon episode. Um, which is a shame, but, you know. But Twink is a little overexcited. Twink, I think 
most of the time that we see Twink, if not all the time, he's somewhat harried. He seems to panic quite easily. He seems quite anxious. Um, in some ways, he reminds me a bit of Rabbit from the Disney Winnie the Poohs. Yeah. Um, are we allowed to mention the mouse here? Um, <laughs> Why not? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, of that kind of hurried, panicky, uh, trying to organise everybody all the time thing. Um you know, Twink is Rainbow Bright's special helper. He goes out with her to Earth, but he just seems very scared and panicky all the time. He does. And unfortunately, it's a bit counterproductive uh, because in racing out to get more star sprinkles, he crashes headlong into two red sprites who are bringing two truckloads of star sprinkles to the Colour Castle and knocks them all over. The looks on their faces are hilarious. Just the way it's animated with the grumpy looks they give him. It's <laughs> yeah. really funny. Yeah, he's all still, yay, come on, let's go. It's the first day. <laughs> and they're like, oh, for heaven's sake. It's really you, funny. You can just imagine them talking to each other afterwards, can't you? He's always like this on the first day of spring, isn't he? Why doesn't he just, oh, Can dear. you believe this guy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it doesn't stop there because he soon runs headfirst into a horse. Like you do. As you do. Uh, and it's Rainbow and Starlight, of course, because while all the colour kids are playing around on the colour castle and all the sprites are mining and Twink is trying to corral the sprites into mining it, uh, Rainbow and Starlight appear to be standing on a hill somewhere looking around. This is the art of delegation, isn't it? I was going to say this is dictatorship, but let's go with your word. It's much kinder. <laughs> yeah, let's. Um, but they don't have too long to ponder it because, rather strangely, a flying motorhome goes over their head. I wasn't sure what to call this. I think, I mean, Americans might call it an RV. Yeah. I I, my my first thought was caravan, but it's not quite a caravan. It's Camper a, van, I think. Is... That could be a... Well, see, that just makes me think of those um, Volkswagen things, um, which are really expensive these days. So it's some kind of... Yeah, motorhome, RV type something that flies. It does fly. Um, and then it lands right next to them and out steps a woman in a big hat and glasses. Mm -hmm. There is no other way to describe her. She's big in just every sense. She's got this enormous presence. She's got a loud voice. She stands quite tall. She towers over Rainbow Bright uh, and immediately starts uh you know introducing herself and yeah well we don't get to see much of that because we then cut to the pits where murky is well what what could murky be doing today well he's not making himself a cocktail which was a shame because i liked that sequence in the previous episode he is yet again working on another gloomy invention of one sort of another sorry they all just kind of merge into one. Oh, this it's the misery machine that oh. he's working on this time the misery machine and uh as he's working on the misery machine there is a huge noise mm. that i don't even know how to describe it a thud a thud a, a clang a kind of it sounds very horrible and discordant but apparently it's the doorbell <laughs> and no one's ever rung their doorbell before according to lurky I love, I love the way he says that. He's, he's just excited because someone's rung the doorbell. Someone has rung the doorbell. Well, Murky isn't ready to receive visitors because the misery machine isn't finished. So he's frantically trying to finish it. And he tells Lurky to whoever it is, keep them busy. 
at which point Lurky grabs up a whole bunch of sports equipment like badminton rackets and footballs <laughs> and, and just everything. And he's really excited because he's like, oh, maybe they'll want to play with me. Yeah. I, uh, the poor guy. Um, he needs he, he needs to be taken away from the pits. He, he needs, needs to live friend. in Rainbow Land. He needs a friend. Yeah. Well, at the door is this woman he offers a football to. Want to play football? And she just swipes it away with her handbag. And I honestly thought she was going to clock him over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't. She just smacks it up. And this is a very bouncy football because it bounces up all the stairs to Murky's laboratory somehow. But mm-hmm. whatever. She is there and uh, invite me in, she says. There's nothing for me to do out here. So she just walks in and goes upstairs to meet what turns out is her son. Mm-hmm. At which point we discover that Murky's full name is Merkwill. Merkwill Dismal. Merkel With a name Dismal. like that, well, what did she expect him to turn out like, to be fair? Uh, it, it is pretty much a case of nominative determinism, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, at least Rainbow Bright adopted that name later, mm-hmm. as we as we find out from the beginning of Rainbowland. But yeah, he started off being called Murky, mm-hmm. Merkwell. I mean, what was, what was going to happen, really? Well, she's very happy to see her boy and gives him a huge hug. Uh, he never He never writes, he never calls. She mm. wanted to find out what he was doing. Well, Murky makes up a whole story about his castle. I mean, this is clearly not a castle. She's not impressed by his living arrangements. No. Well, it's dismal. It's grey. She runs a finger along a windowsill and gets huge amounts of dust on it. It's just a mess. Um, But he says, no, it's a castle and I've got a butler. And then he shouts at Lurky for not wearing his butler's uniform. (laughs) So Lurky goes and gets changed because apparently there is a butler's uniform (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) Um, So he goes and puts on a a butler's jacket complete with coattails and everything. And uh, Murky insists on being called Mr. Murky. Lurky finds this all very confusing, but he's prepared to run with it. Yeah, he just kind of goes, he goes wrong with everything, doesn't he? Just just anything for an easy life, really. Um, Well... She keeps talking about what a sweet child Murky was and she shows baby pictures to Lurky. <laughs> and there was something rather odd about these baby pictures. Yes, uh, let's just say Murky has not changed since babyhood uh, and was sporting a large moustache even while in nappies and bonnet. Yes. <laughs> That's such an embarrassing relative thing to do, isn't it? Let's get out the baby pictures. No, Mum, don't. No, look. It's... Yes. It's a thing. Yes, I still have flashbacks to my 40th birthday where there was a large easel set up in a corner of the room where I was having my celebration full of baby photographs that my parents had provided for everyone to crowd around and enjoy and go, oh, wasn't he sweet? And the classic, of course, is, wasn't he cute? What happened? (laughs) But other than that, I had a really good time. So, Mum, Dad, if you're listening, thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, Murky keeps on talking about how he hates colours. Well, she says he used to love colours. No one loved colours more than he did when he was a child. And so we see a flashback to their house, which is... 
heaven only knows where <laughs> because they're clearly not in rainbow land not in the pits not on earth because she is very definitely not a human person and i was going to ask that because you know we've got the sprites we've got the colour kids who appear to be human, although we have questions about over, over their ageing. We've seen an alien. We've met human characters. But Murky and his mum are green, and it's not quite clear what they are. No, not at all. But they still wash up dishes in the usual human way at the sink, because she's washing dishes while he's playing, and he's drawing on the walls with crayons. Mm-hmm. And then he progresses to various paints and eventually to a spray machine thing that just splurts bright colours all over the place. Which, as a baby, he probably shouldn't have had access to. Well, no. Uh, there are some parenting issues, definitely, uh, mm -hmm. on this. Mm -hmm. But, uh, the, of course, the biggest parenting issue is what she says when she sees the mess he's made. Yes. She is absolutely furious with him. And she tells him that he has to get rid of all the colours, even if it takes the rest of his life. Defining moment in Murky's life there. Absolutely, 100%. You know, if he ever had a therapist, he can point at that moment and go, there it was. There it was. Absolutely. Get rid of all the colours. So that's exactly what he's been trying to do ever since. Mm -hmm. And so he decides he's going to take his mother to see his house, his castle, his actual house that he lives in. So he tells Lurky to get the limousine ready <laughs> and to tell the chauffeur to get ready. And he's like, well, go and dress like a chauffeur. Well, Lurky goes away and brings, comes back with a chauffeur's hat, which again, have they got an entire wardrobe of dressing up costumes? Presumably. Um, and I love the bit where Lurky's mum says that it's really odd how the chauffeur looks so much like the butler. <laughs> They're brothers, apparently. It just It's that cartoon logic that you can put on a different jacket or a hat and suddenly nobody knows who you are. It's almost Shakespearean in its subtlety, I believe. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, still, the greatest example of that was in a Transformers cartoon a few years ago where Ultra Magnus disguised himself by putting a cloak over his head. <laughs> the fact that the rest of his body looks nothing like anyone else's and he's very, very recognisable apparently went over everyone's head because it was almost... I mean, it, it was literally like the um, the wrong trousers moment where the penguin takes the rubber glove off his hat. Good. It's you! It's you! <laughs> How did you not know this? So, yeah, cartoon so it is that logic. cartoon logic of, you know, as soon as you put something slightly different, no one recognises you. It's no good, Baldrick. Two people you know well have exchanged coats and now you don't know which is which. <laughs> I'm a bit confused myself. Which of us is Wellington? It's the man at the door. <laughs> and the porpoise? Hasn't arrived yet. We'll just have to do as best we can without him. <laughs> well, Lurky asks what the limousine, what a limousine is. Bless him. Like, the grunge buggy, you idiot. <laughs> and so they get in the grunge buggy. Um, and this time, Murky's mum gets to ride in the bin on the side of it. And uh, Murky is just hanging on to the roll bar at the top. And he tells Lurky to drive to his house, which is the Colour Castle. And as they're driving through Rainbowland, all the sprites and the Colour Kids, who are basically sitting around outside drinking or whatever, uh, run away. Mm -hmm. Because basically they're useless. Because Rainbow Bright has gone. They saw Rainbow leaving earlier. And it does appear that without Rainbow Bright, the Colour Kids aren't up to much. 
They do seem a bit helpless without her. They do. They all run away. Which means that Murky gets right into the colour castle mm -hmm. and is in charge of Rainbow Land. And yeah. that that was it. I mean, there, there have been many opportunities where he could have just done that and driven up to it and done it. But He just walked in, sat himself down at the console and that was it. They just kind of let him. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of them that they... Could have just picked him up and put, and put him outside again. Yeah, I but thought they didn't. Doesn't Red Butler like to fight? Why isn't he there stopping? I mean, Murky is, you know, okay, yeah. In theory, yeah, we've got Murky, who is an adult character, versus a bunch of kids, but he is also half their size, mm -hmm. and helped out by a rather stupid big ball of brown fluff. Frankly, one of the colour kids could probably just have said to Lurky, can you pick Murky up and take him out of here? And Lurky probably would have gone, OK. OK. <laughs> <laughs> well, Murky does have a plan. And unfortunately, it seems to be very, very effective because his plan is to have a bucket of gunk, which he produced from his misery machine earlier, which he brought with him. And Lurky is bringing the star sprinkles from the chute that brings them in dunking them in this pile of gunk and then pouring them into the colour console, which is then going all black and grey and horrible mm -hmm. and very, very dim and just churning out black clouds from the top of the colour castle where normally fluffy little clouds and rainbows come out. Mm -hmm. Horrible black clouds are coming out and all the colour kids are just looking and going, we've, we've got to stop this because we need to send a message to Rainbow. But as we've seen in a previous episode, the only way to send a message to Rainbow is through the colour console, which Murky is at. Yes, which does suggest the need for a backup system, really, because if, especially if they're just going to let him just walk in and take <laughs> over. Um, but yes, again, this is this is where it does go wrong. That Rainbow, pretty much, is the only one who does stand up to Murky and Lurky. But of course, she's not always there. No. Well, they they do kind of redeem themselves a little bit. Certainly, Red Butler and Stormy do, um, because they have a plan. Mm -hmm. And a plan involves Red Butler whispering to one of the sprites. And fortunately, the sprites do speak gibberish because the sprite, having had the plan whispered to him, runs off going, on top of his voice. He's like, quietly. <laughs> well, he, he brings back a bucket full of ordinary water. And while Lurky is occupied grabbing the next batch of star sprinkles, which he's almost running out of, Apparently, there's not many coming through anymore. Uh, they switch the bucket of gloomy crap for a bucket of ordinary water. And because Lurky is incredibly stupid, he doesn't notice this. So he just keeps on dunking the star sprinkles. Mm. And this time, they're just fully functional star sprinkles that Murky is pumping into the machine. And it's starting to go all colourful again. And Murky doesn't actually seem to notice anything's changed. No, he doesn't. So he just keeps going. He does. Well, he decides that something is going wrong because the colour is coming back through again. So they need more star sprinkles. Mm. So he sends his mother out to get them. That's a bit cheeky. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Mum. Nice to see you. Go and get me stuff. <laughs> is that not how it works? I don't think so. Uh, Okay. But he yeah. gives her a big shopping bag and tells them to go and just tell go and tell those colour kids to give you all the star sprinkles they can. He also asks her to get bread, milk, eggs, that kind of thing. So presumably there is a Sainsbury's. Uh, there must be something, yes. And she loves shopping, so... 
Not that kind of shopping, I imagine, but okay. Possibly not, no. Um, but uh, when she comes out to see the colour kids and she says, oh, uh, Murky asked me to ask you for, oh, star sprinkles. Everyone wants star sprinkles. And they just pile star sprinkles on top of her. Uh, and she very dutifully brings them to the colour castle. And Murky still hasn't figured out what's going on. Mm -hmm. And the colour kids are very smug because they're going to get the message to Rainbow and it's going to be Murky who sends it because mm -hmm. he's too stupid to realise what's going on. Mm -hmm. So they pour more star sprinkles in. The Rainbow comes out of the top of the castle and Murky realises that he's now got a bucket of ordinary water instead of all his gloomy stuff. He really does trust Lurky every time, despite Lurky's pretty bad track record. It is a major factor in the failure of most of his plans. That's the thing. Murky's inventions and Murky's plans generally work, and they generally work very effectively. But he hands the operation of it over to Lurky so often, and that's quite often when things go wrong. He doesn't seem to learn from this. No, he doesn't. Well, Rainbow arrives and bursts into the colour castle and basically says, oh, it's all over for you, Murky. Mm -hmm. And at this point, his mum realises that he's a lying little toad. Mm. Uh, Murky and Lurky run away on the grunge buggy. And Rainbow, Starlight and Twink are going to run after him. And Mrs Dismal insists on coming with them to teach her boy a lesson. And so they head to the pits where Murky has pulled out his misery machine and is pointing it at Rainbow. He's going to cover her in her his gloomy, dark, misery-inducing stuff. Mm -hmm. But then his mum jumps off the horse and brandishes the feather duster that she apparently carries around with her at all times <laughs> uh, and basically attacks him with it. Yes, yeah, she kind of shoves it in his face and dusts him. Because I was a bit worried when she brandished it that she was actually going to hit him with it, which <laughs> actually was a bit disturbing. But she just sort of dusts him with it in the face. She dusts him in the face, yes. Which causes him to fall against his misery machine, which breaks. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but this causes it to spurt all that black, gloomy, gunky stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. At which point he's delighted because he's still winning. Yeah. Except, of course, that Twink has a pouch full of star sprinkles and Rainbow has the colour belt. Mm -hmm. And so she fires a rainbow, which nullifies the effect and even puts grass and flowers around the pits. Mm. Again, Lurky is delighted. <laughs> yes. Murky, somewhat less so. Mm -hmm. But that's it. Problem solved. All done. So Rainbow Bright decides she's going back to Rainbow Land because Murky's misery machine is wrecked everything's fine she invites mrs dismal to go with her and she says no no i've got to be going where we don't know <laughs> mrs dismal repeatedly says during this episode just how lovely rainbow bright is yes she's such a lovely little girl she says that several times at you know at one point even saying that you know that's the sort of girl that that murky should be setting up home with oh yes he does insist that she does insist that uh, that murky should find himself a nice girl uh, and just like the one who gave me directions. So Rainbow gave her directions to the pits. You know, why? Who knows? Well, that's the thing. Rainbow is a helpful little girl. Right from the first time we meet her, we see that she wants to help. She wants to be helpful. She will always help someone in need. 
So it doesn't surprise me that she's quite happy to give directions. Um, you know, plus sending Murky's mum over to deal with him is a masterstroke. <laughs> it really is, yes. I Personally, I would have said, uh, yes, you're always welcome in Rainbow Land. Head on. Could you leave me your number in case I have to call you to sort him out again? That would have been really useful, actually. It would have been, yes. <laughs> we never find out anything about Murky's father. No, he is not mentioned. I imagine that's where Murky inherited the moustache from. Well, certainly Mrs Dismal doesn't have one, so... She does not. Uh, but no, it's just not mentioned. I'm sure he had one somewhere. Maybe he was out during the Get Rid of All the Colour event. Maybe he was. But that's the end. Mrs Dismal is going home. Rainbowland is safe again. Mm-hmm. And Murky has once again failed in his plan to remove all the colour from Rainbowland. So we're back to where we started. Mm-hmm. So what did you make of that episode? I like this one a lot. I, I don't know. Mrs Dismal is hilarious. There's something about her that's really, really funny. There's almost like a hyacinth bouquet-ness about her to me. <laughs> there is an element of that, yes. I'm sorry, our cat is wrecking the class. <laughs> I don't know what the cat's doing over there, but yes. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that uh, that episode uh, a lot. Um, I did enjoy the fact that Stormy was introduced in Rainbow Bright and the Star Stealer and has been kept around as a character. Mm -hmm. um, although some of the other kid, colour kids seem to have faded into obscurity a bit. I think that's... That's something of a problem, really. The thing is, there's the seven colour kids, there's Stormy, there's Moonglow, but it's very much the stories are based around Rainbow Bright. I imagine in any kind of expanded universe, we would know more about the colour kid, kids. But with episodes lasting less than 20 minutes, I don't think they've really had the time to tell stories about each of them. Not really, no. Uh, but it was good to see Stormy and Skydancer again, and because it, it was those two that realised that Murky was heading to Rainbowland in the first place, they raised the alarm. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, and I I did enjoy, um, even though it relies on Murky being a complete idiot, I did enjoy the fact that the Colour Kids managed to engineer a situation where needing to contact Rainbow, they basically made Murky send the signal himself. Yes. So turning his own actions against him, is, mm -hmm. uh, that's, a, that's a classic move. It's a bit of a trope, isn't it? It of, is. Of getting, getting the message out via your, your enemy in the first place. Um, yes. And the fact that, I mean, there's a number of coincidences. There's the fact that nobody notices the buckets being switched. The fact that he hands over such an important task to Lurky, who's repeatedly shown that he can't be trusted to really do anything right. <laughs> um I'd like to know where Murky learned to operate the colour console because we see it being used earlier on and as they press the buttons, the colour kids press the buttons and it plays like a nice musical tune. When Murky is using it, it's it's not a nice tune. It's just kind of blasts of noise. But he does get it operating. Yes, he does. And yeah, when he's doing it, somebody, it's basically it's an organ sound, isn't it? And it's, mm. it's just somebody pressing random keys on the organ by the sound of it. It's extremely discordant. Mm -hmm. uh, and at one point, his mother tells him to stop making that awful noise. Mm -hmm. um, his mother takes an awful long time to pick up on the fact that he's trying to destroy all the colours everywhere. She's not 
exactly on the ball with his activities but uh... no she's slightly self-absorbed i think she has this image i think that she has this image of who her son is and what he's up to that he kind of tries to live up to by presenting himself as this big shot that she wants him to be and it takes a while for her to pick up on the fact that actually that's not who he is yeah and she's not very impressed mm. <clears throat> Um, but who would be really I don't know I mean he, he does invent stuff that works if he could just not use it to make everyone miserable it would probably be a lot better yeah I mean if Rainbow Bright and Murky ever joined forces they would be unstoppable mm -hmm. but that's not going to happen anytime soon so there we go another instalment of the Rainbow Bright series because uh, at this stage in the this is about 1985 I think late 1985 um, so yeah I mean Rainbow Bright has had five episodes in a movie and now it's got another series of eight episodes to go so that <clears throat> they can make 13 episodes which allows them the right number for some kind of syndication I think mm -hmm. um, but yeah but it's not bad not bad at all um, the same the same voice artists are back the colour and animation is is great. Um, one thing I did notice about this one, and it's not actually a reflection on the episode necessarily, but the quality of the film on this transfer was shocking. The dirt and the mm. sparkle on that, at the, especially at the beginning, um, was awful. So if, if somebody's remastered it since that DVD was released, that would be great. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, I think but, the DVD is quite old. But it was bad. It was bad. Mm. Um but then that might have been on the original transmission because I, lot, I know a lot of places weren't terribly strict about keeping their film clean and mm -hmm. well maintained. Um, I mean, I did notice that uh, the, the the style of animation is very much the same, but things like Rainbow Bright's eyes get smaller and things because mm -hmm. in the in the first few episodes they were really huge. They were the, mm -hmm. the classic kind of. I think, as you said at the time, it's not anime, but it's that kind of style mm -hmm. uh, with the exaggerated features and huge eyes. Yeah. And here they are quite a bit smaller in several shots. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was good. It was good fun. I don't remember seeing this episode, although actually I have a vague recollection of the mum episode because I'm sure I remember him being addressed as Merkwell by somebody mm. not very impressed. So again, it's a vague memory um from back then uh, but yeah so there we go another two episodes down six episodes to go and i hope you will return to do those six episodes with me absolutely good well in that case all that remains now is to say thank you for listening to robots in your eyes I've been Jason Thompson, co-hosting with Zoe Baker. We'll be back next week for some more awesome animated adventuring. But in the meantime, if your mother pays an unexpected visit, don't make your friend dress up as a butler and a chauffeur and mess around with him. Just tell her the truth. That was Robots in Your Eyes. You can find us on Twitter at RobotsInEyes, or you can email us at RobotsInEyes at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to give us a nice review and comment on the podcast app of your choice.